Welcome back to America's leading higher education podcast, The EdUp Experience, where we make education your business. Hosts Dr. Joe Salustio, Elizabeth Liba, and producer Elvin Freites bring you the brightest and most influential minds in higher education today. We explore innovations, ideas, and issues in higher education and beyond, and hopefully have a little fun along the way. Now let's get to it. The higher education marketplace is changing fast, and it can be challenging to stay up to date while ignoring the noise. The evolution is the only source of opinions and insights directly from college and university leaders on the bleeding edge of transformation. We have three L's in our name, and they stand for lifelong learning, which is central to our vision for higher education's future. The evolution is completely free to access, and new articles and interviews are published daily. To subscribe to our weekly newsletter, visit evolutionwith3ls.com slash subscribe. Again, that's evolutionwith3ls.com slash subscribe. Welcome back, everybody. This is the EdUp Experience, where we make education your business, interviewing the brightest and most influential minds in higher education and beyond. This is Dr. Joe Salustio. This is a special EdUp embedded episode with my guest today. I'm going to get his name right, ladies and gentlemen. I promise you his name is Ed Camargo, and he's Managing Director of NMPI Incubator. Ed, did I do it? You did do it. Well, we're betting a we're betting a thousand right now. We can only get worse, but we're going to try to maintain. <laughs> we're going to try to maintain it where it is. Uh, how are things going for you, Ed? How's how's life treating you these days? And uh, are you? Uh, is your state opening back up a little bit? Yeah, it is. I'm I'm in Battery Park, uh, Lower Manhattan, and it is opening up faster than even we thought it would be. Um, they're they're saying that you know later this month we're going to have some some drastic changes to the, the bar scene and, and just like uh, when and where you have to wear a mask and when you don't. And so, you know, we're coping with it. It's uh, it's good to have some uh, warmer weather and then, you know, the ability to, to go and see friends at some establishments that we miss. Battery Park, for those that don't know, is a secret, secret spot where you can see the Statue of Liberty from I don't know how many, it's probably a mile away. But a lot of people go there instead of taking the ferry to go to the uh, Statue of Liberty, you can kind of get right to the edge of the park and Battery Park, and you can still still see it. That's right. Uh, what one one of my favorite parks in New York City, Battery Park. I love it. A lot of street performers over there as well. Ed, I want to get right into it with you. Higher Ed, uh, the work Incubate is doing. First, before we I start, you know, pinging you with questions about higher education and the work that you're doing, give us a download on Incubate. What do you guys do there at Incubate, um, and how's business going these days, and what are you guys working on? Sure. So we're a, a modern uh, digital marketing agency. Um, and what that means is that we essentially deal with uh, a lot of machine learning and data science and, and things like that, that are now kind of the lifeblood of digital marketing and, and the advertising world. Um, as far as how we're doing, we're, we're doing really well. We, the industry as a whole kind of had a slowdown when the pandemic started, you know, over a year ago. And, um, and we thought that we would see, uh, you know, like clients just cutting back on advertising budgets and there would be much leaner time. But the reality is that some of the things that happened that were unexpected, uh, just like streaming, the consumption of streaming television, just really, really ignited digital marketing. Um, and we've been doing really well since. You know, that's interesting, uh, Ed, because 
you know, um, I think it's to be, I don't know if it's expected or it's a consequence of, of many schools moving online. You know, one of the things that's coming out of the pandemic that's being mentioned and discussed is going to be the war, for lack of a better word. For those of you listening that don't like the word this, think of a different one. But the war uh, for uh, uh, recruiting students and the flood of dollars that have been invested now and more probably to come in digital marketing. Higher ed is in a totally different state now than was at the beginning of the pandemic. Talk about the arc that you've seen. Now, where do we start? Where are we finishing? What does the future look like when it comes to digital marketing for colleges and universities? Sure. Um, I mean, it's a real complicated question. So if, if I can take a step back and just talk about where it was pre-pandemic. Pre-pandemic, a lot of uh, universities were slowly opening up um, digital or, or distance learning as an option. So a, a lot of your, your more traditional brick and mortar institutions, uh, think your, your NYUs or Columbia here in New York, those, those guys were doing a great job of, st of starting to bring on uh, some of the resources online. The pandemic comes in and absolutely flips that upside down because, you know, they have to turn around and offer everything um, they can to, to, to essentially bring all of their students into a virtual environment. And, you know, that was a, that was a, a real interesting uh, transition. I, I live with, a, with my son who's uh, 21 and he was going through it. I saw him going through it firsthand where, you know, you had what test taking became and what interaction with your with your um, professors looked like and even your the, the people that you would normally get together to study with, like all of that got flipped on his head and, and people were, were scrambling to to understand how they were going to meet, how they were going to study, how things were going to be graded, um, all of that. Now there's there's some comfort level in that. And now we're coming out of the pandemic and there's now going to be a different perspective from from the student body as they as they in essence evaluate what they get from higher ed um, and so what's happening is a lot of the, the schools that were forced to accelerate their their uh, inclusion of virtual learning and, and just kind of a hybrid learning they're keeping that and so what does that mean for the student body is that they're going you know they're going to have a lot more options now if you you know back 10 years ago, uh, wanted to go to to a Columbia, you were going to have to move to New York City, and that doesn't necessarily mean that that's the case anymore. So um, it's become really, really interesting. Where now the 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 online, the digital marketing now is is reflective of that in the competition that you're mentioning, because a lot of these schools are saying we don't necessarily need to to um, just curtail you know our our resources and offering to the norm, what used to be the normal. Now people can can take our courses any time of the day, uh, any day of the week, and at their pace. So it's it's really really interesting, you know, where it's heading. Well, and you know the the key part about what you're mentioning too, because I say this a lot on the podcast when I talk to people, and they say, you know, students, and it's going to be different for students. And I go, who who are we talking about here? Are we talking about the 18 year old thinking about college? Are we talking about, because if you're thinking in that way, and I'm gonna say you Ed, but I, you're a college and university operator and you're thinking, oh, for students that I generally serve, now I have online courses and I'm still thinking about the same student I served before. 
that's a, a, that's a closed system. What about adult students? What about transfer students? What about students looking for a second degree? What, there's so many different types of students beyond what we would consider the traditional 18 year old looking at going to college. And now that schools have online programs and they're gonna keep them, they open themselves up to greater possibilities and greater competition, right? I mean, I think that's the key point is, and what you said, I made it, right? I, I moved my faculty, I moved my courses, I figured out how to grade, everybody's been teaching online, it's going okay, and I'm, I'm able to take a breath now. Now in, in a look forward, I still have to recruit. I still gotta find people interested in my university and they can go anywhere. Like you said, geographical boundaries are basically lines on a map, not, not reality. And, and the shifting focus, and I think you're right, goes from how do we do this now to how do we sustain this now? What do you think about that? Yeah, no, you're absolutely right there. And, and the way you broke down uh, the different types of students is key. Um, even, even before, before that, you know, we, the, the clients that we, that we help achieve growth and, and higher education, we were already breaking down it, breaking down the offering essentially by degree. So the, the mindset of somebody who's looking to, to complete an accounting degree and somebody who's looking to complete an ed education degree is completely different. Um, and then when you add in exactly the factors that you mentioned, you know, like some of these people are already working professionally in the field and they need a degree to, to break a ceiling or, or they need a degree simply because, you know, it's going to mean just a, a higher income for themselves. They may have in the past avoided the conversation about uh, higher education simply because they didn't have the time. And, and that's gone away. Like they can, they can do it whenever they want. Now they can go to whatever school they want. Um, there's, there's uh, schools that are looking at it and understanding exactly what it means. And there's schools that are going to be slow about it. And this is one thing that absolutely is, is new now is everybody is reacting really, really quickly. They're reacting quickly to the new demands of the, of the new student body. And, you know, breaking down that in, into the factors that you said, and there it's it's bigger than simply um, nationally. Right. Because if you if you even think about it from a geographic standpoint in just the state of Florida, the state of Florida has so many different cultures and and uh, just types of people that that you have to target them differently in the way that you're going to speak to them and what the communication is going to be has to be a, like it can't be toned to death. They have to understand that people are looking for a different kind of message now and it has to kind of fit with where, where they are in their lives as the pandemic starts to clear up. Yeah, you know, we've, um, my, my uh, friend from Google, John Farrar brings that up a lot. He talks about the multicultural majority and how, how marketing to, to these folks is completely different. It has to resonate with their cultural beliefs, their, their what they perceive the future uh, success to be. And, and, you know, so messaging will change. You know, you just said higher ed is moving fast. So, I, you know, you said that on a recording. I'm going to, you know, it's like a quote, but I, I, I joke because we wouldn't typically say that about higher education ever. No, no, right? no, I, I agree with you. But there's there's the, the, the schools that are going to step up the acceleration of how they move and then the ones that are going to stay traditional. And that's where you're going to see a shakeout. Yeah, I like that because you're right. I mean, it's speed to market. It's a big, 
you know, can I take my program? Can I get it as front in front of as many people as possible as quickly as possible, knowing that there's two competitors behind me that are trying to do the same thing. So speed becomes part of a value proposition. I think when traditionally in higher ed, speed hasn't necessarily mattered in the traditional context. It certainly does now, right? So talk to me about what's making a client in your mind that you're working with besides speed. What's making that client in your eyes, what's going to make them successful? Is it testing? Is it commitment? Is it budget? I have a lot of questions about budget. I'm taking a sidebar here and let me, I'll bring it all back together. Mm-hmm. But do you meet with so many clients and go, hey, look, you got to invest in digital marketing. You got to invest. We, we know how to do this. And they go, you know, I don't know. You know, we only have this amount of money. We haven't thought about, you know, taking money away from printing and moving it to digital media. Uh, is there a convincing process that you have to go through to get people on board? Or is this just a free-for-all that you're seeing? So there is a process and, and most people recognize that they need to be doing some level of marketing, right? And, they, and, and somehow that's connected to their growth. Um, I think the, the misconception is that people don't understand that they're, they're essentially chasing the best students and there's a lot of students out there to be had, but really you want to get the best students. And, and what does that mean, right? That, that means that it's a student that has the likelihood to complete his degree, um, that it's a, a student that um, has a certain history where, where you know that they're going to perhaps go to a secondary degree after, they, after they've completed the, the first one. It, essentially, what I'm talking about here is lifetime value. And so having a good understanding of the, the, the velocity to get to the fourth class or the fifth class or wherever it is that your, your marketing dollars really start turning around, that's a real thing, a real understanding of that. And that requires data science. It requires machine learning for you to do it at scale. And so the, the first conversation about that you need digital marketing or marketing in general to, to, to accelerate your growth, that's an easy part. It's that, it's that part when they don't understand that they're actually in, in these real-time bidding environments that are dominated by the, the Googles and the Facebooks and things like that. You're, it's a zero-sum game, right? You're, you're going up against three or four other universities that are capturing those very, very valuable students. And if you're not capturing those very valuable students, then that means that you're not recuperating your investment quickly enough, which means that you can't really... Um, be in an auction environment against those other much more uh, sophisticated, matured schools that now know how to do this. And so for, for us, it's how do we have a conversation with you that, uh, that puts you on a path towards that, that tech maturity? Um, it's our job to show you the roadmap it's, and, and you know, to, to show you how easy it is and how to test and all of that stuff, right? Because you have to be testing. Um, but that usually is the second part that becomes more difficult is are, are you going to be ready to actually look at data science and, and invest in that? You said tech maturity. That's, that's a kind of a cool way to put it. How resistant or, or how readily has higher ed embraced your, your client list, the concept of tech maturity? Because tech the, 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 the great thing about technology is that it's, 
it's you know intuitive and it, it does things for you and it makes your job easier if you embrace it and gives you insights. The hard part about it is that it makes your job easier and gives you insights that you may not want to have and 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 it's change and change adoption up until recently in higher education has been has been uh, you know smoke and mirrors more than it has been anything else. I mean, if it, you know, change adoption in higher ed, it's like one of those industries you would laugh and go, oh yeah, change to higher education, yeah, right. Pandemic forced it. Some embraced it. Some will go back, try at least to go back to the way things were done before. But tech maturity is a concept that, that, that implies, right? Tech maturity implies that you've gone through the growing pains of, of technology to get to maturity. What is that process like for clients? And, and are, is higher ed in general ready for a technology renaissance? Um, yes. There, so, you know, the, the industry, like all industries, are going to have the, the advanced companies and the companies that are lagging. So, I mean, you, you don't have to look very far. You can just, I can just point to the University of Phoenix and just, just how mature their advertising is and how they speak to you in the moment and what they do from a search perspective. They're, they're, it's just you can see that they're using machine learning and data science behind the scenes. And there's probably you know, a good 10 to 20 that are doing it really, really well. Um, and that's out of thousands. So there's there's the leaders and there's everybody else. And then and and the leaders really have embraced the whole machine learning part because they understand that you can you can work hard or you can work hard and smart. And so you having the conversation with a client is to to say, okay, what does tech maturity really, really mean? It means that you understand the platforms that you're using, you have your data organized and segmented in a way that it becomes actionable to be used in those platforms that you're using for marketing. It means that the way that you talk to each one of your um, student segments is, is almost personal, right? And, and you're understanding how they're interacting with you. They're, you're understanding how you're actually changing behavior. And, and, um, and then how are you matching that back to how you grow quickly? And where is it happening? Is it happening in some states over others, in some cities over others? Is it happening at certain times of the day more than in others? Um, and then, you know, what? how do you feed all of that into what happens socially? Because the, the social landscape can also be injected in here and say, okay, we we have an, a completely different way of looking at, the, at how we turn our students into evangelists. What about the, uh, student types? You know, I mean, I, I've been in marketing a long time and I, you know, like you, I go, okay, you know, looking back in time, the, the type of student that I recruited in 2004, you know, when we would sit down and go, okay, here's our four types of students is, is vastly different than it is now. And I wonder how an event like coronavirus changes the profile of students that you're recruiting? Like, do you guys sit around an incubator and go, okay, you know, here's an adult student, risk averse, doesn't want to come in contact with anyone. You know, here's an online student willing to go hybrid, maybe looking at some on ground, you know, okay, they're vaccinated. Like, does that play a part in what the future type, student type looks like where, you know, does risk play or safety or, or, um, uh, mental health 
play into this types of students uh, and the way that we market and recruit in higher ed? Yeah, yeah, it does. And, you know, it becomes a little bit more difficult when you're when you're talking about a pandemic where usually the way that data science works is, you know, it requires data. And so the more data you have, the the better you are or the better you feel about whatever you're trying to predict because it's all about predicting the what the behavior is going to be. But in this case, you can't predict the behavior because you're coming, you're you're coming out of an event that doesn't have data behind it for you to be able to predict how you're supposed to act after it, right? So what what happens is you have to pay close attention to the consumer behavior, really, really close attention. And you have to use tools out there like social listening, like uh, like Google Trends to understand how your, your student body is querying, what they're querying so that you can understand, you know what, this part of our, of our, of our student body is ready to come back. This other part is more concerned about, it's good, you know, are, are, am I now going to just be a remote learner until, you know, the, the pandemic is completely gone? And how long is it going to be before they come to a recognition of that it will really not be completely gone. It's just an adjustment that you have to make to your lifestyle. And are we going to change our communication to, to be able to affect a change in that behavior? Those are all things that, and that's what I mean about, it. you know, you have to move fast, even within a fast moving um, industry, like, the, the, like the, the digital marketing one that we're in, we also have to say, all right, everything that we thought worked up until now, we need to relook at it and make sure that it's connected to the way consumers are actually behaving. You know, I've heard a lot about, um, I heard a lot about its storytelling and its importance moving forward beyond, you know, as more and more people have been digitized, if you will, or screen time has gone up astronomically during the pandemic. I think that that we'll probably all see percentage increases in screen time because now it becomes part of your life for how long, 18 months or something. And so it's hard to, harder to give up because we've become addicted to these little machines we have in our hands. But, but you know, I, I, I definitely know that distilling down a value proposition is really important. I'm sure you go in and you look at your client and go, okay, let's really define what the value proposition is here, right? And, you know, one of the things with higher education that's been really hard to discern is what makes this university better, quote unquote, better or worse than this university. Generally, the curriculum is mostly the same, right? Ivy League schools, your curriculum looks much the same as it does at a private university somewhere. And you have the same person teaching it as an adjunct instructor in both universities. So what does the university offer beyond what you would expect that creates that value proposition. If you get even lucky enough to get to that point, is the, stu is the student consumer as receptive to the drum banging, you know, value, value proposition, value proposition, value proposition marketing, or is storytelling playing a larger part of the future of marketing because we're, um, looking more at how others perform or how, what the meaning of this is or what the impact of this might be and how important is storytelling in general and, and how are you guys looking at it at Incubator? So it's, it's very, it's something we look at day and night. I mean, we're, we're, we're essentially trying to understand at which part of the story in storytelling are we going to start talking about the unique value of the, of the school. For, for us, it's like, First, we need to understand how are we going to start getting this person that is 
just slightly thinking about higher education? How are we going to push them into saying, you know what, I really do need higher education in my life. And that sometimes that that's what, you know, it, it's largely a, a branding kind of uh, of an exercise. And so understanding that we're we're going to um, we're going to talk about the benefits of just higher education specifically, not necessarily about the benefits of the school. It's not until the the consumer or the student reaches that very critical, usually it's a two to three week window where they've narrowed down the the list to like four or five. And now, and, and you know that, that you're in that list because of the engagement that's been happening um, with, with you either through a phone call or, or site visitation, or there's different ways of, of acknowledging where in the, in the path they are. That's when you start talking about the unique value. And you know, hopefully you have a really well-crafted story about a unique value. Um, and I know that there, there's, there's a, lot of, uh, a lot of the same things that are being offered from school to school, but you have to, you have to talk to that, to that person about the unique value to them personally. But usually it's you know, just in that, in that little sweet spot of like, okay, they're about to make the decision here understand that we've been talking to them the entire time they've they've understood you know the the value of higher ed they've understood how it applies to them personally how it's going to change their life now we're going to talk to them about we are the the right one for you here's why mm-hmm. that is like the secret sauce of marketing is it not i mean easy to it, that's the thing and why companies like incubator exist is because it's really easy to say that and a whole nother thing to achieve it to, to yeah. really, you know what I mean? So you need, you need an infrastructure around you in order to help. And that's data scientists and it's, it's uh, people that understand how to work the technology and create reporting that give the insight to make the decisions. Um, as an administrator and, and me, I get to speak from this perspective. I mean, I really value the real-time data insights because for me, and I think a lot of, exp- you know, I've been doing this for a long time in for-profit education, which is where I grew up, quote unquote, and I would be looking at my spend by day. You know, yeah. where's my money being spent? Where can I move it to? Which programs are performing, which are not? And then when I moved into nonprofit ed, I didn't hear that as much. It, it's not as common to be, that's, let me try that again. That's specific with marketing spend, but it's essential now, I think. Um, and I wanna know if you agree to be what day to day you know, I mean, if maybe you could go a week if you really want to, but it's the day-to-day or every other day look at spend that helps you really maximize your spend and, you know, reduce something called a student acquisition cost. I mean, your student acquisition costs are high. Your spend is not going to be, you're going to have to keep dumping more and more money in to realize the result versus driving your cost of acquisition down, increases your margin, gives you more money to spend on marketing in the future, and that's how you achieve scale. Is, is the day-to-day live dashboard type of marketing the future? And is that what you guys are providing, those, th- that level of insight? So yes, right? It, there, there's a lot to be said about that that is probably what, where it's going and you will customize exactly what you wanna see. So you might, you might wanna see what you're spending by channel and, and then you're gonna wanna see like if you spent that uh, the day before, how did it impact the the numbers today? Without you, what what's the lag, right? And 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 that's all right. And you know you can control all of that with data and dashboards, and um and it works well. But as I heard you talking, you know you you actually reminded me 
of how I, how I was, you know, just even a few years ago where I was obsessive about understanding exactly what was happening on the hour to hour basis. And yes, you can, you can have a company that, that talks the talk and walks the walk about data science and machine learning and all that. But the reality is that nothing is going to teach you how the actual seasonality of higher education works unless you've been sitting there and, and experiencing and understanding that there's that magic window right after New Year's, New Year's Day where everybody starts really, really getting focused about higher ed. And it lasts, True. you know, about a, a day and a half. And in that day and a half, you should increase your budget by 3x. Or there's nothing that's going to teach you that a lot of the universities have become so aggressive in the month of April that they end up running out of budget at the end of the month. And that's where you can step in and in these auction environments, take own that last week at half the cost. And that is critical. Like that will right there change your first quarter in, in terms of how much you spent and what your acquisitions costs were going to be. And so, yes, there is a lot to be said about where, where you know, the, the machine learning is going and, and, and AI and, you know, everything about the future. But you still have to have that common sense and that experience to step in and say, hey, this actually works like this, too. That's so true, right? If you know the seasonality and you know the times, you know, months, schools typically run on a budgets, you know that you could make your your quarter in that day and a half period after, uh, you know, I'll see sometimes I'll see a, that surge right after the first couple of days in January. And then there's a lull and a mm -hmm. resurge at the beginning of February. Students, for whatever reason, still in this day and age, a lot of them think fall, 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 fall. Schools are relying on that. I think that's not as deep as it used to be. I do want you to, though, um, talk quickly about because you said you, you touched on it briefly. But somebody who's listening to this goes, what does Ed mean by auction environment? And to clarify exactly what you mean when you, when you say that. Sure. So whether you're talking about search or social, and when I say social, I'm, I'm going to be specific here on Facebook, um, or you're talking about a programmatic display, they're all auction environments, which means that as the opportunity for you to, to, to bid on an ad comes to you, you're going to be in an auction setting against all of the other advertisers at that given time for that one impression. And so let's say, let's, let's boil it down here to search, just to make this simple. Uh, if somebody typed in the term online uh, bachelor's degree, there's going to be three positions where the search results page can position your, your ad. And uh, through data science, we know that that first position is incredibly valuable because the conversion rates are, are almost, you know, 15 to 20% more than the other two positions. So you want to own that first position. You want to show up the university, the brand of the university, your message right there in that first position for, for that person that just put that term into, into the search um, bar, right? And so that's an auction environment. And, and that is the way that digital marketing is governed. It's you're going up against in an, in an auction against everybody else. And if you're bidding up against somebody who, who understands the lifetime value of that, uh, of that student and turns around and says, okay, I'm willing to pay $55 for this, for, for the chance to show my ad here. And you're going up against a, a school that only looks at cost per lead and they're only willing to spend what a cost per lead is across all of their degrees. The advertiser that's looking at lifetime value is going to win that auction. 
And, and so that's what I mean by auction environments. It's, like it's, it's at scale in the millions of, of, of auctions, it's happening. Okay, so now define lifetime value for me because I, I, I know exactly what you mean because that's a key part of, of um, I think, marketing maturity uh, is understanding lifetime value versus cost per lead. But you know, I'm, a, I'm an administrator sitting around here going, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, Ed. I, I, I can't spend $55 for that. I could spend $27 for that lead. So I, I'm not going to get it. What is lifetime value and why should I think differently? Yeah, so, so lifetime value is... Um, essentially, all of the revenue that, that you'll get from that one student across the, the lifetime of that student to, to your university. Um, and that usually can, can only be measured as you, as you follow the trajectory of the student all the way through. Um, and so if you, if you have some, if your data is aligned right and, and you're able to look at, let's say, the uh, MBA degree, and you know that the MBA degree has a, uh, a 70% greater chance those students to finish, right? Because they're just more focused on finishing that degree because of what, what it means for their career. You'll know that you will be able to spend much more on, on somebody who is looking for that degree than for somebody who is looking for a degree that has a, uh, a, a much lower rate of completion maybe. And, and you know, I'm, I'm not gonna get specific about what degrees close at what, but let's say degree A, only ever really gets past the second class. That person's just the lifetime value of that person to to your um, school is going to be worth considerably less. So therefore, you can't you can't bid more than let's say five or six dollars for that person, and that's fine. There's going to be a game that you play about you know how you how you make their experience in a much a much better so that they continue on, and that's a that's a separate service. But when you're looking at it in, in terms of like the, the degree type and the lifetime value by degree, um, that will come into play. So if, let's take your example and go, all right, I'm going to go search for online bachelor's degree right now. Off the top of my head, I'm, I'm, let's just say I'm a small school, small private university. I'm thinking, all right, Ed, you got a point. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go start, you know, tell my marketing team over here, start bidding on online bachelor's degree. I don't have the knowledge probably to compete at that level. I mean, if you search for online bachelor's degree, I'd guess, well, who's going to come up? Grand Canyon, maybe Arizona State or University of Phoenix. Yep. Uh, That's right. WGU, maybe yep. Purdue Liberty, Global. Maybe. Yeah, Liberty. You're not going to be able to compete. Why? Because those behemoths, if you will, have a lot of mm -hmm. money and they're bidding on the most common, which online bachelor's degree would be very common search that somebody who's really interested in a bachelor's degree would put in. How do I compete, Ed? How do I, how do I compete? If I come to Incubata, how do you make me a better school if I'm looking to compete? And I don't want to get to 100,000 students, but I want to get from 1,000 to 1,600. So how do I compete amongst all of those big, big hitters? Yeah, so I mean, that's the magic question, right? Is, is how does David... Uh, fight Goliath in that situation, and 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 the the truth is that you do it using data science. You 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 focus in on where you're going to win. So let's say let's take that term. So online bachelor's degree, um, and you look at you know all those guys that you just mentioned that you're competing against. They're they're up there, but the truth is that they're not competing against you the entire day. They they're going to be focusing in on different times of the day. And they're going to be focusing and paying more for certain parts of the country. 
And, you know, it's, it's, that's where you need to come in and say, okay, for that particular keyword, I need to, to only come into these, to these auctions and bid at this price, um, at this time of the day. And at this, at, in, in this part of the country, um, and I'm only going to do it, uh, when I can, can be opportunistic and get a, uh, a, a CPC of, of X. And so that's a that's really tricky to kind of 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 doing 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 it at a keyword by keyword level but that's exactly what we would do is we would take each keyword and say which keywords are we going to win with right now and let's form a plan for the next 10 and the next 10 and the next 10 and it's a combination of getting your your in for in the in the case of search you're getting your ad copy to be extremely relevant to your audience and then once you do that you what happens is you decrease the bounce rate to the site and immediately Google sees that and they start rewarding you by giving you what's called a higher quality score, which means you, you get a discount on the CPC. Those guys have been very, very good at getting their quality score to the max. So they get the, the, the lowest cost per click. And essentially that's the game that you have to play. But if you don't know that that's the game that's being played, you can waste a lot of money trying to be competitive and it doesn't work like that yeah you're so right and it, it is um opportunity there'll be an opportunity for you you have to be very specific about when you're going to capitalize on that opportunity and you can't do it without the right technology there's just no way not with right. the way the algorithms are built it's impossible it's you, you have to have data science and you have to have machine learning and all those things behind you or else you'll never you'll never have an opportunity to have an opportunity if that makes sense Ed, this has um, been insightful, to say the least. And, and so I want to leave you with our final two questions. Excuse me. Number one, what did we miss about Incubata that needs to be said? Any projects that you're working on? Any initiatives you have going on? Anything in general that you want to plug? How do we get a hold of you? That kind of stuff. And then two, and you can take these in any order you want. Mm -hmm. uh, number two, what is the future of higher education going to look like? Oh man, that that second one is tough. That's why we wait um, to the end. <laughs> All right, let me let me take the first one, and I'll think on the second one as I answer the first one. Um, so, what did you miss about Incubator? That well, I wasn't really, you know, I, I wasn't in the mode of talking about Incubator, but uh, I will say that there there is because of of a lot of the things that we talked about in the pandemic. Um, streaming television has really become one of the auction environments that's that's pretty free right now and the competition is not as advanced as people would would think it is so we're concentrating on winning for ctv and and ott which you know it's the streaming services of, of, of what is now television um and all of the dollars that are moving from linear tv to ctv i think that's that's a big one because you don't usually have something of this kind of scale available still at a, at a reasonably affordable uh, price to, to gain one consumer. Um, and given the data science that can be applied to it, you can win now. So that's the, that's the one thing I'll say. The, uh, on, on the second one, where is, where is higher ed going? It's, it's so, so the first thing that, that makes me think is a lot of people are going to be returning to, to school and, and doing a lot of the things that they missed. So there, there, there is going to be a movement towards students returning to schools. And there's gonna be a sense of like, oh, you know, from the school's perspective of 
okay, we're going to keep a lot of the student body coming back onto the, cam the campuses. And I think that's going to be true for a while, but I think that the, the bell that's been rung is not going to be unrung about how easy it is to stay home and study at home um, and get your degree at home and get it at, you know, at midnight when you're done with everything that you were going to do during the day. I, I think that it's going to be a wave just the, the same way uh, of how we explain what happens in, in January and how students get, you know, very amped up about going to school. And then there's a, a wave that fo follows through April, the same way you're going to see people come back to campuses very aggressively. And then you're going to see slowly a tapering back to people coming um, back home or, you know, learning from home. Um, well, yeah, Zach, I think that's going to be a big one. You know, it's, it's going to be interesting. Let's just say that it's going to be, man, you just wonder how, you know, as we get closer to a regular uh, living situation again, where we're, you know, where companies are deciding, are we going back to an office? Are we not? People are becoming vaccinated. Some are not. We're in this in-between stage, but it is getting closer to opening back up for all of us. And what will that mean? This, this uh, pandemic in a lot of ways has affected us all. Um, something no one will ever forget. And so how, how will higher education not forget it is really the big question that we'll all be attempting to answer. Ed, this has been incredible. Thank you so much for coming on. The Edip Experience special embedded episode. Uh, um, it's been an honor to host you and uh, everybody should check out Incubata. What's the site, Ed? Uh, www.incubata.com. We all know continuing education and workforce development divisions, you know, the units that offer non-degree programming need to play a central role in supporting institutional responsiveness and growth. But more often than not, leaders only focus on the outcomes that these divisions drive and rarely think about the infrastructure they need to drive those outcomes. The team at Destiny Solutions in collaboration with The Evolution developed a white paper to help explain the role IT systems can play in supporting growth. To download, visit evolutionwith3ls.com system and get the inside track on the importance of tailor-made tech. Again, that's evolutionwith3ls.com system. Hey everybody, we hope you enjoyed that episode of the Edip Experience. To learn more about the Edip Experience, please visit our website at www.edipexperience.com and subscribe to our email list. Please share this podcast, head over to Apple, and please give us a rating and review. We appreciate your feedback. And of course, subscribe to the Edip Experience so you're notified when our episodes drop. Here at the Edip Experience, our goal is to make education your business. Thanks for listening.